Hey, Larry. Hey, Jared. We're <laughs> back. It's exciting times. Oh, man. And, and we are getting high tech. We now have new microphone holders. <laughs> Where'd you get it, Jared? Got it off Amazon. <laughs> Got it off Amazon. I'll tell you what. I call it Amazon. <laughs> Everything from A to Z. So there you go. Um, well, listen, folks, we are back, and, you know, last time we were together, we wrapped up Ruth, and Jared and I have spitballed so many things, but I think for he and I both, we are landing into uh, Ephesus. We want to head to Ephesus and spend some yes. time and see why Paul wrote a letter to the Ephesians. We're going to get there. Before we do, you know, Jared and I both have, have lightly shared with you, he, you know, he's been through a time of transition in his life. And, uh, you know, you, you guys have kind of walked through us with, with that. And uh, the Lord is definitely doing some work uh, in my life. And, you know, we, we share some things. I don't share everything <laughs> that I want to sometimes just because there's a whole church attached to it. And <laughs> yep. I have to be careful. Um, but I do want to share something from my heart as we begin tonight. And so as we start our study tonight, and I think it's a great way to begin to get ourselves focused on Ephesians. Proverbs 13 verse 10 says this. By pride comes nothing but strife, but with the well-advised is wisdom. Mm. Pride does nothing beneficial for anybody. Pride causes strife. It really, it really is. It's a roadblock. It's a speed bump. It is, it is something that will bring a halt to a fast-moving machine that is on fire for something. Yeah. And it, it is something that can crush, you know, absolutely everyone down. You know, it's easy for us. We like ourselves. Yeah. And we like to conflate who we are. We like to blow ourselves up. And we have a very humble and loving God. And he gives us some beautiful words of wisdom. But with the well-advised is wisdom. And, you know, this is what Paul is doing in Ephesians. He is well-advising the church at Ephesus, and not just the church at Ephesus, I would make the argument the church. Yes. He's well advising a couple things. Number one, who God is and what that means for us. Mm -hmm. And then number two, how we're to take that information and use it in our lives. Yeah, now you're jumping ahead. Now I'm jumping ahead, so <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'll, I'll, I won't go any further than that. But, you know, so as we approach Ephesians tonight, what we want you to do before we start is I want you just to think in your mind in yourself all right Lord what is it what is it that that is is puffing up pride in me that is getting in the way that maybe is going to be a roadblock for me hearing what Paul's trying to teach me about who Jesus is and what Paul is trying to encourage the church about our husband yes. our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ yep. and so um you know, I just uh, I want to encourage us in that as we open tonight. So uh, let's open in a word of prayer, and then we're going to dive into this wonderful, wonderful book tonight. Just an intro, All getting right. everybody a taste of, of Ephesians. So, Father, Lord, forgive me for my pride. I can tell a story. I can tell a story that makes me look like the most amazing person on the face of the planet, and I am just scum. But yet, in the midst of my depravity and disgustingness, you reach right through to the center of my heart and remind me that that's not who you created me to be. And so, Lord, tonight, as we approach what I think is one of the most 
important books in your word that is so applicable to the church today and to anyone who is desiring to know Christ as Savior or anyone who claims to be walking with Christ as Savior. Lord, I think you are speaking loud and clear to the church overall, especially to the church in America, but to each of us as individual believers in Jesus Christ. And so, Father, as we come tonight, we want to come in all humility, throwing up my hands, Lord, saying, take all of my hubris, all of my pride, all of everything that that I use to to make me something, take it away from me, God, because I just want to follow you in the way you would have me follow you. No pretense, no expectation on my part of what is right and wrong, but completely to live in obedience to your word and your way. So leading God tonight, Lord, we're excited to talk about your word again. We love you, Lord. And all this we ask in the name of your son, Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. All right, so, woohoo. <clears throat> Excuse me. Where are we going to begin when we study the book of Ephesians, or Paul's letter to the church in Ephesus? Correct. And we're probably going to confuse some people in how we do this, but as an intro, we're going to introduce a couple of key characters. Yes. One, the city of Ephesus. What was... How do we see that city in the Bible? Mm-hmm. You know, a little bit of historical context, but I think f- where I've been looking and studying is this city portrayed in the biblical narrative, and in particular, Paul's letters, yep. um, well, and um, Luke's letter, yes, and his story of the birth of the church, um, and then we're going to look at Paul himself as mm-hmm. uh, the prolific writer that he was. Um, so why is this a little bit confusing? Because to study the book of Ephesus, we really need to dive in to Acts. Yes. And kind of walk our way through what, do, how did we see this city and mm-hmm. then kind of jump into some historical stuff. Mm-hmm. So I don't know where you're turned right now. I'm at Acts 19. Perfect. Yeah. So Acts 19 we see Paul's ministry in the city of Ephesus. Mm -hmm. We actually see, well, no, I'm jumping ahead of myself. So Paul's ministry in Ephesus was roughly three years. The longest he ever spent anywhere. Anywhere. And... I think there's a lot of speculation on to why that is, but mm-hmm. from what I have gathered and the little the bits of studying that I've done and people that I can listen to and find a couple reasons. One of the biggest being that he had a public forum every single day. He did. Which was huge. You know, the city would kind of shut down for a period of time and people would come to this building of learning i don't do you have the name of it i don't remember i don't the they would come to this building of learn where anybody could come up and teach or speak and so he had this public forum where he was able to share what he calls the got mystery mm-hmm. of the gospel every single day mm-hmm. what a what a, a platform for him to have that in a in a port city that is 
has people from all over the world or all over that part of the world coming in and out every single day. So not only is he sharing it with people in Ephesus, but that message is being loaded back up onto boats and going somewhere. The Grand Theater of Ephesus. There you go. What a name. (laughs) It must have been grand. (laughs) Sorry, folks. We're a little punchy. Um, but we're excited. Yeah, and so here, three years in Ephesus, this is, you know, and let's talk about this Ephesus place. You know, um, this is a a Roman, big-time Roman city. Um, yeah, so modern-day, let's put it, put it on yep. the map, modern-day Turkey. Yes. If, if you can picture where Istanbul is, if you understand, like, the geography, it's in that little split between the Mediterranean and the Black Sea, and it splits Europe and Asia. It's where Europe and Asia meet. To the right of that and down yes. is the city of Ephesus. <laughs> and I can I cannot hear Istanbul without my brain going, Istanbul is Constantinople? <laughs> Sorry. Anyway, a little nod to they might be giants. That was back in the day. Wow. Okay. Let's get back to sanctified things. Um Yes, so you're you're in Turkey. Yes, it was once Constantinople, but it didn't become Constantinople until the Roman Empire. Uh, I'm using big quotations here. Turned yeah. to Christianity, right? But we'll get we'll get down to that road one day. So it's a port city, um, you know, right there, as you said, the Black Sea, right? Um, yeah, but yeah. it's on the Mediterranean. It's on the Med- yep. Mediterranean side, but yep. kind of you know, and it's it's a big it's a it's a big deal and. The city itself wasn't just a big deal. What was taking place inside of the city was a big deal. Yes. There was a massive, massive temple to the goddess Artemis, yeah. uh, otherwise known as Diana. Now, here's the big the big thing. People have, you know, we used to talk about it, I think, more when we were kids. I haven't really heard a lot of people talk about today, but, you know, one of the things that used to interest me as a kid was the seven wonders of the world, mm-hmm. right? And... Diana's temple at Ephesus was one of those seven wonders. In fact, uh, Antipater um, in the Greek anthology, which was this big kind of thing, collection of poems and whatnot, this is what he says about the temple to Diana. I have set my eyes on the wall of lofty Babylon, on which is a road for chariots, and the statue of Zeus by the Alpheus, and the hanging gardens, and the colossus of the sun, and the huge labor of the high pyramids, and the vast tomb of Mausolus, which is where we get the term mausoleum from. But when I saw the house of Artemis that mounted to the clouds, those other marvels lost their brilliancy, and I said, Lo, apart from Olympus, the sun never looked on aught so grand. Now, why is that statement important? Here's why. Diana was seen as the mother of all. All right, so now that is putting her in direct contrast to Eve. So now we we have an attack then on our creation account and our understanding of, of how God brought all this into existence, his design for mankind. Right. And so we have this false goddess who is being conflated to the role of Eve. And then not just that, she's powerful. Eve was just a human being. Right, a god-like 
being. But this, yeah, this person is a godlike being right. who is ruling and, 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 you know, has got this power. And the part that really caught me was the fact he said the sun, talking about that glowing orb in the sky, never looked on alt so grand. So in other words, never looked on anything as beautiful as this temple is. Yeah. And I would make the argument the sun, as soon as it was spoken to existence by God, was able to, if you're going to, what do you, what do you call it when you do anthropomorphize? Yeah. yeah. Yep. Um, you know, would look up upon creation coming together and just think there's nothing so grand as this creation I'm watching come together as, as the God who created right. me speaking this into and existence. And now we have, we have this person saying this building that man created is it, greater than great, anything greater. God ever did. Right. But it speaks to how important and beautiful this building was to the city and the people that lived there. Oh, yeah, absolutely. So you have this guy talking about how amazing this building is. It's it's so big that and beautiful that it just makes the pyramids pale in comparison. Yep. Yep. Um, So another important thing to know about the church at Ephesus and what's taking place is during this time period, our good friend Nero is the emperor of Rome. And if you don't know who Nero is, uh, number one, shame on you for not knowing your Greek history because it is important to the, to the world, especially to the Bible. But Nero is insane. Does that sound familiar to anybody? I'm just going to let that one go. Um, uh, anyway, sorry. Okay. I'm going I'm to get on a tangent. We don't need to get on. Nero, Nero is literally insane, and what is Nero doing? He is he is ramping up the uh, the Colosseums, yeah. and Christians are used as just you know flesh to be torn apart by these animals and these ravenous murderers and all this stuff, even to the point of oh hey we need some light let's take this Christian dip them in oil and light yeah. stick them on a post and light them on fire and watch them yep. burn to death. Yep. We will get light, we'll get heat, and we'll get to hear him scream. Yeah. Because that sounds like a fun time at a baseball game. Yeah. <laughs> he's 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 taking he's taking what Paul did yeah. pre road to Damascus. Yep. And amplifying it times a thousand. And Paul I mean, look what Paul talks about himself. Like he was the he was the scum of scum, right? Basically. Yep. But Nero is amplifying it way <laughs> beyond the pale. Yeah. Yeah, and you know, and and then you read like over in Second Timothy, where Paul says to Timothy, "Hey, hey, bud, everybody who desires to live godly will suffer persecution." You know, if you if you desire to live godly in Christ Jesus, you're going to suffer persecution. And it's like, you know, we hear that in America. I don't think we truly understand what that means. No, especially when you start looking at something like this. Yeah, I, I mean, Paul writing this. Is in prison. Yes. He's the prison epistles. He is behind bars in what we can only imagine is some level of filth. Maybe. Maybe. Depending on which one. Unless he was unless he was in home prison. Right. Then, you know. There is some there is some debate on which prison stint this is. Yeah. So Yeah. But either way, it's not like he's just wandering around free and no, Clear. but he does have two Roman soldiers most likely strapped to his side. So, you know, hey, hey, <laughs> since you can't go anywhere, let me tell you about this Jesus I know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
<laughs> which I which I love. And, and go find me someone to help write this, please. Do we want to go ahead and get into uh, the book of Ephesians as it stands in the Bible, or do you, do you got anything else you want to cover under this area of the world? Well, so uh, as we see the the city in the Bible, mm-hmm. so if we go back to you got Acts nineteen yeah. open. We can kind of walk our way through what we see. So Paul was there for three years. We see that in Acts 19. Mm -hmm. And then he writes the book of, or the letter to them. Mm -hmm. Um, And he gives them a picture of the gospel and some, you know, kind of a call to action or some ways to live life and some warnings in there. Mm -hmm. That same warning was actually given to them in Acts 20 in his farewell. Um, Mm -hmm. So we know that the city had people that believed. Yes. Right. A very religious city, um, mostly to Artemis, Mm -hmm. um, but people willing to have religious leanings. And Mm -hmm. they, they, uh, you know, every single day it grew. And Paul was able to preach there, preach there daily. But the other thing that is interesting about the city and um, is the economy that Paul disrupted. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> yeah. So because of the Temple of Artemis, meant that silver, what is it? Silver statues. Yeah were basically a major driver of their economy. And because so many people were, I'll call it converting, I don't know if that's the right word or not, but but starting to believe in what is referred to as the way, mm-hmm. the economy of silver started to plummet in the town to the point that a guy... Oh, I'm going to mess up his name. I want to say it's Demetrius, but I don't think that's right. Um, that sounds familiar. I don't I don't remember what verse that's in. Give me a second. Yeah, we're having fun here, aren't we, folks? Um, from Miletus, he sent to Ephesus, called for the church. Welcome to our world. This is what happens when <laughs> our brains get stumped. Um... There's Eutychus. Who else do we have? Fifth. So ah, it was Demetrius. Was I it had Demetrius? It right. Yep. Yeah, Verse 24. For a man named Demetrius, a silversmith who made silver shrines of Artemis, was yep. bringing no little business to the craftsmen. So he gathered all the workmen together of similar trades and said, Men, you know that our prosperity depends on this business. You see and hear that not only in Ephesus, but in almost all of Asia, this Paul has persuaded and turned away a considerable number of people, saying that gods made with hands are no gods at all. Mm-hmm. Not only is there danger that this trade of ours fall into disrepute, but also that the temple of the great goddess Artemis be regarded as worthless and that she whom all of Asia and the world worship will even be dethroned from her magnificence. So the way Mm -hmm. is catching such legs because of Paul's 
teachings, well, through Paul's teachings, because the movement of God, mm-hmm. that it is disrupting the economy in the city to the point that the the work the tradesmen are trying to get together to figure out how to stop Paul. Yeah. So that I bring that up in the town because it's this really cool picture before we even get into the book and the letter of this gospel-centered message that Paul was bringing. And if we are going to do the same, we're going to upset the apple cart. Absolutely. We've got to be prepared for it. Almost definitely. And so... And we've got to be bringing people along with us. I mean, Paul leaves Priscilla and Aquila mm-hmm. equipped. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we know that, that you know, Paul doesn't just walk out of the city going, okay, I dropped a hand grenade and walked away. No, he lit a, he lit a hot-burning, deep, coal-bedded, roaring fire Yeah, that even if, even if water came and poured on the upper flames, the bed of burning for the Lord was so hot it yeah. stayed ignited. Yep. So then I think my last comment that I would have um, on my learning about the city of Ephesus, mm-hmm. and I haven't quite figured out how I think the picture fits into the city and this letter that Paul wrote. And I hope that over the next six chapters of discussion, we I, I figure it out. But I, it's still important enough to call out here. Okay. So if you look in Revelation chapter 2... Ephesus is one of the seven churches mentioned in the book of Revelation. Right. And what is spoken about the church in the book of Revelation is that they are a church that that falls in love with religion over Jesus. Mm -hmm. They're told they've fallen out. I think it's they've fallen out of love with their first or they've forgotten their first love. Mm -hmm. And so it's a group that is of people, followers of Jesus, that um, have really fallen back into the old ways of Israel, mm-hmm. of worshiping the law and the regulatory aspects of religion over the mystery of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And so I don't know how that's going to play into this book, per, this letter per se, mm. As it fits, as it relates to all six chapters yet, but I think it's just important to see the city all the way through the biblical story. I sometimes wonder if Zwingli were alive today, if Luther was alive, if Calvin was around, if any of these guys that were, you know, part of the Reformation, part of the stepping out away from the Catholic Church and whatnot were here today. I wonder if they would say of the modern Protestant church, you have left your first love. Mm. You know, you're more concerned about October 31st, Halloween, as celebrating ghouls and goblins and going with all of the religious um, ritualism uh, over, over celebrating the freedom we have in Jesus Christ. Yeah, focusing on... Focusing on the culture wars, mm-hmm. which I'm not saying aren't important. Right. Right. But <laughs> but just like we're going to talk about here in a minute, there is 
a set of glasses that need to be put on first. Yes. If we're going to talk about culture wars, mm-hmm. it needs to be through tinted glasses that have that are Jesus tinted. Yes. If we're going to talk about politics, they need to be through Jesus tinted glasses. Yep. If the, I mean we we ended Ruth this way and I that's maybe that's why I got so excited about like let's do because it just seems like it's just like boom right into the next thing. You made a phenomenal comment last time. You know, you said that there is a whole cultural movement today that is based on pride. Yes. And it's completely antithetical to anything we see in God's word and exactly what I just read from Proverbs, right? Pride brings strife. What do we have in our nation and in the world today, right? We have strife. And you know, isn't it a shame that marketing companies are more scared of offending Islam and they could care less what they do to Christians. Right. Sorry, I get a little preachy. But yeah, but but the point of all of that is how easy is it to put on Jared tinted glasses? Oh. Or Larry tinted glasses. Yeah, absolutely. I'm gonna turn my focus into me because everything revolves around me. Mm-hmm. And when culture does that, yep. I mean, it is downhill fast. Mm-hmm. And so the call is Ephesus in Revelation, it looks like they're doing good. Yeah. Right? They're doing good things, but they're focused, they're, they're still focused on me and not on what the gospel is about. Because the moment you take off, I'm going to just keep using it. And I, you know, it, the Jesus tinted glasses. Mm-hmm. What the moment you take that frame of reference off, mm-hmm. the natural instinct is I'm going to put my own on. Because mm-hmm. even when I'm tr- when I'm focused on the law or religion or doing the right things, it's because I'm I'm focused on me. Let's use Paul's example. Right? I mean, he's going to eventually get there in Ephesians, but in Corinthians he mentions this, and other places he talks about the old man fighting against the new man. And this is what we're talking about. Yeah. And this is something we're not going to be able to get away from in the book of Ephesians. Yeah. Because we are, and, and I'm telling you, I, I think, you know, okay, preacher hat for a minute, soapbox time. There's a clarion call to the church in America today, and I want the church to hear me on this. We have got to put to death self, Mm -hmm. and we have to put Christ in his proper place. He is on the throne. We are not on the throne, and we have got to stand firm in that. Okay, off soapbox. So so that's a perfect place, though, that I want to jump in, because we're about to jump into who kind of who Paul is a little bit. Yes, but... If you're listening to us ramble on about the city of Ephesus that doesn't even exist anymore, right? Uh, this book, I don't, I haven't counted how many pages it takes up in mind, but it's not many. It's only six chapters. Yeah, it's a small book. I'm actually going to count it as we're talking. One, two, three, four, five. I got five four, and a half. Four okay. in mine. So four in yours, five and a half in my in yep. my in my Bible. Before you if you're gonna study along with us, read the whole thing. Yes. Just read it. And read it like three or four times. I so my entire life 
I've kind of done Bible study this way and it, and I haven't learned how to really like get into it until we started recording, mm-hmm. but I just would like read it and be like, okay, yeah, I think I got it. But now I'm, I'm like, I'm reading it. I'm like, okay. Then I go back and I read it again. Yeah. I'm like, okay. And then I go and find somebody that's smarter than me <laughs> and I read what they have to say. And then I go back and read it all again. I'm like, oh, and so but that's how I'm picking up on yeah. these little things, right? You start to see structure and how did they map it all. And So I heard a, a pastor make a challenge to his, he was preaching through this and he made a challenge to his church. He said, when he said, when I was in seminary, he said, and I was, we were doing a study through the book of Ephesians. He said, our professor had us read it every single day. Mm. He said, but to his church, he was saying, while we're in the book of Ephesians, he said, you need to read once a week. You need to read. You know what, guys? We we try to release once a week. So that's I think that's the proper encouragement. If you're following along in this book with us, we want you to read the book of Ephesians once a week. I promise you, it take you 15, 20 minutes. Yeah, it is. It won't take you that long. And and just pour over it again and again. It's the it's the cow chewing cud method. Yes. Now, why do I why am I bringing that up here? Because. This book has a story to tell and a a critical message for us today, but Mm -hmm. a critical message for Ephesus. Yes. And the more you can just read it front to back as a, as if Paul was writing the letter to our church or Mm -hmm. your church, the more I think you're going to glean from it. Absolutely. With that. Yes. Who was Paul? Yeah. And so right now, we heard the bell ding. We have the showdown of the century. We have a city that is entrenched in depravity, temple prostitution, worship of false gods, booming economy. Everything's good. Everything is geared for self. Yeah. And in comes a person who went from being probably one of the most selfish, prideful people on the planet to being one of the most humble people on the planet yes and paul walks in and how do we know it's paul well it's kind (laughs) of hard to get away from verse one in chapter one paul an apostle of jesus christ by the will of god right really can't quite get around that now paul has a journey and this is where we want to go back to our good friend luke yeah because luke in his in his writings of acts yeah had a professor who used to actually say, and so here's another challenge if you're interested in reading, you know, finding creative ways to read God's word. He, I had a professor who used to call it Luke Acts. He never called it Luke. He never called it as always Luke Acts because it really is. Luke starts in Luke chapter 1, verse 1, and by the time you get to the end of Luke, you can really step over when he's writing to Theophilus yep. and step right into Acts, and the story keeps trucking. It yep. doesn't stop. Had, I mean, I think... Every professor I had that talk, taught Old Testament would always say Ezra Nehemiah. Yes. It was never just one, right? Yep. Similar concept. It's or Jeremiah Ecclesiastes. Like one, I mean, limitations. Jeremiah one, limitations. One scroll, yeah. right? Yep. But, so we see, we see a story of Paul three times in the book of Acts. Yes. First one in Acts chapter 9, we see... Paul's conversion. Conversion. Um, it's not the first time you meet him in Acts, but it's the first time that he's going to lay down or be have to confront who Saul really is. Yeah. And who God wants him to be. Yeah. 
And that happens in chapter 9. So now Saul, still breathing threats and murder against the disciples of the Lord, went to the high priest and asked for letters from him to the synagogues of Damascus so that if he found any belonging to the way, both men and women, he might bring them bound to Jerusalem. As he was traveling, it happened that he was approaching Damascus, and suddenly a light from heaven flashed around him, and he fell to the ground and heard a voice saying to him, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And he said, Who are you, Lord? And he said, I am Jesus, whom you are persecuting. But get up and enter the city, and it will be told you what you must do. So that's the first the the first recounting of Paul's um, encounter with Jesus. Yes. The first time we see it. So what I mean, and we're kind of recounting some stuff I think most people listening to this would know, but in case in case you don't, just but Paul was the the Jew of Jews. Mm-hmm. Um and he could not stand this new movement that was going on within his beloved community. Yep. And he did not trust the idea that Jesus was the Messiah and he was going around doing whatever he could to stop this movement. Mm-hmm. And so again, then we get it recounted in Acts chapter 22 from Paul's own mouth this time. Yep. So are you read are you yeah. in 22? So I want to start in verse 4 because it okay. says I persecuted this way. Yeah. What way? He's talking about the way. He's talking about followers in Christ. Yep. He persecuted them to the death, binding and delivering into prisons both men and women. And so he goes on from there, but then this is what he says. Now it happened as I journey came near Damascus about noon. Suddenly a great light from heaven shone around me, and I fell to the ground, and I heard a voice saying to me, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? So I answered and said, Who are you, Lord? And he said to me, I am Jesus of Nazareth, whom you are persecuting. And those who were with me indeed saw the light and were afraid, but they did not hear the voice of him who spoke to me. So I said, What shall I do, Lord? And the Lord said to me, Arise and go into Damascus, and there you will be told all the things which are appointed for you to do. And there is another recounting in Acts 26, but I actually want to put a pen in that. Okay. Because I think, and we'll get back to it, but as I was reading and studying this, it's like this perfect diving board or springboard into getting back into the book of Ephesus, the letter of Ephesus. Yep. So here's kind of my thoughts, Larry. Okay. Let's put a pin in that. We've kind of covered who Paul was. Yep. He's writing, I mean, he's written 13-ish Mm-hmm. letters. This is one of them that we're going to study. Yep. Our next episode, we're going to dive into chapter one. Yes. But let's close our conversation about the city and Paul. Yes. By kind of giving a very broad outline of the book. Yeah, of and Ephesians. Then, and, yep. and then we will get back into Acts 26 and see why that's such a cool springboard. So let's look at it. Let's Let's take cue card from Jesus. So in in Matthew 22, Pharisees are trying to trap Jesus, right? So they send their best lawyers and they say, hey, master, what's the best, you know, what's the greatest commandment, right? You know, 
you little, you know, as, as a guy, as somebody explained to me uh, this weekend, it was like, it was like, they kind of walked up to him and like, oh, little boy, little boy, you went to Jewish school. Now what's the greatest commandment? You know, and Jesus goes, okay, I'll play this game. Uh-huh. Yeah. So the greatest commandment, let's go to Deuteronomy six. Cause that's where you want to go. And you're right to go there. Love the Lord, your God, with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. And the second, oh, here comes Jesus swinging is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. Now, Larry, you say, why is that important? Because. In those two statements, Jesus sums up all ten commandments. Love the Lord your God. Take the first four commandments, all those commandments that are vertical commandments between us and the Lord. And then loving your neighbor as yourself goes from honoring your father and mother, which is the fifth commandment, and then all the rest that follow about how we're to treat our neighbors. Those are horizontal things. The book of Ephesians beautifully breaks down into a horizontal or a vertical and a horizontal movement. The vertical movement comes in the first three chapters. These are the doctrinal points, the doctrinal statements that Paul is trying to make. So he's pointing up to heaven. And what is he telling us as he point to heaven? As he's pointing to heaven, he wants us to know exactly who God is, exactly um, who we are through the work He did in Jesus. Yes. And then he also begins to reveal the mystery. He talks about the mystery a lot throughout the book. But the mystery and how we are unified through Christ's blood. And the mystery is going to be a huge conversation because it's a big deal. It's a big, big deal. Mm -hmm. So as I was looking at this, I mean, you can't find a commentary or a person. And it's hard to miss the kind of the overall structure of this book and you're reading it. It's like, okay, the first three chapters, mm-hmm. as we see them in our Bible, the first three chapters are exactly what you said. This vertical alignment, it's a picture of, it's it's a reminder and a a, um, a refocusing on what, what is the gospel. Yes. What, do, what has God done for us? What do we receive because of the gifts that we, we've gotten from God through Jesus Christ? Um and really the the supremacy of Jesus mm-hmm. right we see we see all that which is partly why a lot of people will say that it pairs well with Colossians yes and um, you're gonna you're gonna really pick up on that as you look at the endings so there's two there's two good endings of Ephesians yes and the first one is right here at the end of chapter three and it goes exactly what you're talking about yes that that gospel focus. And so I'm, I'm stealing. I'm going to steal two really cool ideas from uh, Dr. Tim Mackey. Okay, I, I've just been loving what he's said about the Book of Ephesians, and I'm I'm, I'm telling everybody I'm stealing his ideas on this, so, so I don't get called for plagiarism. <laughs> <laughs> the first one is that what you're talking about in chapter three, and the overall construct of this book is really where Paul differs from the other letters that he's written yes because that's where he's telling us what he's writing about yeah he's waiting till the very middle of the book to say here's what i'm writing all that stuff that i told you before this is what it is and then then chapter four you get the therefore which ironically is a very jewish thing to do to make the climax of the book right smack dab in the middle yeah so what you're talking about there right is this uh chiastic structure Mm -hmm. right so a b c B-A mm-hmm. is a way to think about it. So if you think about the book of Ephesians, it follows in that kind of a sense. And we might dig into that a little bit more. Be fun. But there's an A, which is the beginning of the book. 
and there's an A that follows at the very end. Yes. There's a B, and we're getting closer to the middle, and then the end of chapter three, you have get, like, the central part of it, right? That's so right. it's six chapters, but really it's it does kind of follow that Jewish form of A, B, C, B, A yep. structure, um, and that's kind of very high level. But, and then the last three chapters, four, yes. five, and six, you get the you get the key word in chapter four. Yes. Therefore. Therefore. And and he, now we move to the vertical. I mean to the horizontal, yes. right? We're moving to the the how how we apply this. Yes. And so we're pointing to one another. So we're going to talk about things like how we walk as the church, how we imitate God as the church, and then how we daily ready ourselves as the church. Yes. But notice the central theme of all three of those chapters is the church. Yes. Which is extremely important. So here's the second idea that I'm stealing off of Dr. Mackey. Laid on me. Which I loved his the way he talked about this. So his premise is that, and you see it in other books or letters that Paul has written, that Paul does not have a distinction the way we might as modern readers have a distinction between the heavenly and the earthly or mm-hmm. these kingdoms, right? I mean, he talks about the, the the warfare that's going on at the end of this book, but he right. doesn't have us. We have kind of as modern readers this distinct bubbles, and Paul doesn't have that. And when what Dr. Mackey proposes is that this book is a call to see how intermingled it is. And if you if you can put on the Jesus, you know, colored lenses and mm-hmm. look through that perspective and truly grasp and understand and have faith in what this gospel message mystery is that he talks about. And then you answer the call mm-hmm. to shape your life like he call, lays out in 4, 5, and 6 in response to what you read in 1, 2, and 3, then you too can share in the veil being torn back and mm. seeing this world that isn't separated where the heavens and earth really are you know, together, we're Mm -hmm. just, we just have, we're veiled, but it's, it's this idea that, you know, the the church is the temple where the bride of Jesus Christ, the garden, right? I mean, we could go back to our previous talks, the garden, the rest, the peace. It's this invitation to peeling that back and seeing that, no, you live in a, you live in a place where the heavens and earth really still are kind of intertwined, intertwined. Yeah. But You've got to understand this mystery, and you've got to answer this response, and your life should be reflective of the mystery you understand. And that, ladies and gentlemen, is what we call next-level stuff. <laughs> but <laughs> that's, it's good. But that's why I just loved yeah, it. I want to get I, it. And I could not have thought of that on my own. I had to steal <laughs> it from him. But I just when I when I heard him talking about that, I'm like, oh man, this that's, is that's the stuff right it's there. Awesome. Yeah, that's that's right on the money. Yeah, no, absolutely. And, and, you know, so as we go through Ephesians, that's going to be the construct we use. We're going to be looking at those vertical mm-hmm. points to heaven. We're going to be looking at those horizontal uh, movements between us and each other around us. And we're going to look at really how they do overlap. There is this great weaving together as we go through the book. Now, you know, one of 
the points of the sharpening. And if you're listening to us, we are not really good at self-promotion. So we'll say go to the sharpening podcast at gmail.com. You can communicate with us there. We're on Instagram. We're on Facebook. Um, but, you know, we, we want to encourage you all that the whole purpose of these talks is for the iron to sharpen iron. Mm-hmm. So there must be a reason why Larry and Jared want to go through Ephesians. And there is. You know, just like Ruth became this beautifully <laughs> balm for the soul yeah. book. And go figure, we're jumping from one small book to another. But, you know, my, how the mighty are the small, you know? Yes. And and so we, uh, you know, uh, Tony uh, Merida, um, who uh, has a commentary, he and Dr. Aiken and David Platt got together and kind of created a commentary series and... Merida mentions more than than four, but I kind of summed them up into four. So let's kind of let's kind of take Merida's mm-hmm. thump here on on Ephesians, um, and and why I think and why he thinks and why I think we should all think think it has a lot of things, um, <laughs> but uh, why this is important for the church today. So I'm gonna offer I'm gonna offer up four points. Number one. We get a deepened understanding of the gospel in the book of Ephesians. Yeah. I think it's a fair statement. Yep. Number two, there's a magnifying of the importance of the church. Yes. Which I think is extremely important. Number three, there's grace-filled encouragement. And I love what Meredith says. If you feel tired, discouraged, beat up, lonely, or confused, then welcome to Ephesians. Yes. Resounding yes. And then number four a mini theology book full of answers for the church today, all all of which are 100% true. Yeah. Where are you at? So I am at number three. Okay. Um, and I am at number three because I have been tired. I have been fully discouraged. I have been very beat up. I've been very lonely, confused. And I'm going to tell you what, the day will come. I'll be able to share the story of things that are going on in my life currently right now. Uh, I can't really share it with you because it hasn't been fully written yet. So right. we're waiting to see what, what God moves and does. But let me tell you something. I am I am coming out of a time period where exhaustion, frustration, and deep hurt don't even begin to describe the, the mind space that I was in. Um. Our God moves with grace-filled encouragement mm-hmm. and and absolutely takes us from that sense of pride, Proverbs 13, and moves us into a place, if we'll let him, where we will be well-advised and we will begin to gain knowledge that helps us understand. And I'm going to tell you something. I did not realize just how lonely you can feel in a group full of men and women that you love, that you respect, that you love to minister to or with. Um, It's amazing to me how when your heart is veiled, whether it's sin, whether it's frustration, whatever it is, whether it's anger, whether it's bitterness, when your heart is veiled with anything 
and and you're not allowing Jesus to remove that veil off of your heart, off of your eyes, mm. you are very secluded. But let me tell you something. If you were out there today and you were feeling lonely and lost and pulled away, when you allow Jesus to remove that veil, it is, <laughs> I almost started singing Aladdin, it's a whole new world. Yeah. I mean, it really is. Yep. How about you? Where are you at? I've been chewing on these ideas. So let me let me read for you. I I was reading through this uh on my flight to Kansas City. Mm-hmm. It's taking my daughter to Kansas City to spend time with the grandparents. And I was reading the book as we were flying and I took a picture and highlighted it and I with the intention of sending it to you and then I completely forgot. But I, this just hit me, and I'm not quite answering your question, but I'll just okay. I'll get to it. It's a political thing. I get it. <laughs> <laughs> Never answer the question asked. Though few of you will move to a massive population. So Marita in his um, exposition is talking about the city of Ephesus right now. Though, though few of you will move to a massive population center filled almost entirely with unconverted people, Mm-hmm. Remember that many of us still live in a culture filled with idolatry, superstitionism and the occult, demonic activity, public sexual immorality, materialism, a love for education devoid of God, and the worship of political leaders. Mm. And I was like, what in the, like, <laughs> I was like, okay, so I, I guess where I'm at is, yes, all four of those things but this isn't just a letter that's applicable to people that lived in Ephesus circa 50, 60, you know, whatever Correct. AD. It was, we're reading their mail, yes. Mm-hmm. It was their, it was a letter to them, but I would propose that Paul intended it for it to circulate. We uh, actually have some manuscripts that don't even have Ephesus in right. the name, right? Right. They because the idea was is that they were going to insert the city yeah. that needed to to receive it, and it's one of the few Pauline letters that he isn't like addressing a specific like, crisis right. or 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 um, religious thing that needs to be addressed. Right, so it is generic in that sense, and it's different in that sense. But so it applies to us today in so many ways. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I think what I where I'm at with it, besides just the application for wherever you are, I mean, it can is um, the number four, what you said, the mini theology book full of answers for the church today. Mm-hmm. And what I'm loving right now in my personal study of this book is the perfectly set up, tension mm-hmm. in the answers that it doesn't give us. Ooh. That's what I'm really liking right now is just like reading through and be like, oh, okay. And then read another sentence. Oh, but now, and then you're putting them on the scale. And I just think that it's calling me to have true faith mm-hmm. and understand that, my ways aren't God's ways and I'm not going to know all the answers and 
that drives me crazy. If I'm, I'm going to talk about like personalities, I want to, I just want to know, I don't necessarily always want to spend the years it takes to, I just want to be able to Google it and go, that's the answer. Right. I, yeah. That's, that's me. I'm why I want to know how it works. When I was a kid, I would, I remember like going to a, a, a garage sale with my grandpa and I bought this phone. It was a, you know, corded phone, you plug it in the wall, but it was, um, I bought it so that I could just tear the thing apart. I just, I just wanted to break into it and see what was all inside of it. You know, it was like, you know, probably a couple quarters or something like that. I bought it at a garage sale. I just want to dig into it and know how it works. And this book right now is calling me to this place of, I'm not going to necessarily have all of that. Right. And there's tension here and that's okay. Mm -hmm. So that's where I'm at. I love it. So you will hear us borrow a lot from a lot of people. Um, you've heard us borrow from Merida. You've heard us borrow from uh, Mackie, Mackie or McKay. Mackie. Mackie. Yeah. Okay. And, uh, and a few others. Um, one of the ones I love to borrow from a lot because I just love listening to him preach. So Chuck Swindoll, if you're out there, once again, love to talk to you. Um, <laughs> anyway, uh, sorry, there's my shameless plug for that. But Swindoll does, I think, tie up for us now, obviously, and he would say that there are more than just four truths, but there are four kind of big truths that land in Ephesians. So here they are. Number one, God chose us in him before creation, Swindoll says. Chapter one, yes, absolutely. Chapter two, he says, Christ brings us to God by his blood. Oh, man, that's huge. Chapter 3 gives us the great mystery. Gentiles and Jews have been given equal status, and we're going to talk about that because it's huge, big, big, big. Mm -hmm. And then number 4, chapters 4 through 6, that last half, we get the church as a body comprised of various parts, all of which are important. Mm. And to that, I would have a resounding yes. Yes. Absolutely. Let's go back to Acts. Okay. Let's have it. Acts chapter 26. Acts 26. The reason I held this one off is because the other two parts where we're talking about Paul's conversion to that story on the road to Damascus, Jesus reveals himself to him. We don't get the end of the story. And in Acts chapter 26, we get the rest of Jesus' words to Paul. Hmm. So after the blinding light and the you know, he's, Jesus has revealed to Paul. Jesus tells Paul, and I'm in uh, verse 15. I am Jesus whom you are persecuting, but get up and stand on your feet. For this purpose, I have appeared to you to appoint you a minister and a witness, not only to the things which you have seen, but also to the things which I will appear to you rescuing you from the Jewish people and from the Gentiles to whom I'm sending you to open their eyes so that they may turn from darkness to light and from the dominion of Satan to God and they may receive forgiveness of sins and an inheritance among those who have been sanctified by me in faith. Mm. I love how all of it just keeps 
being woven together. Every time we talk here, it's like, oh, but it's tied to that, and it's tied to that, and I just, Jesus is very, it's so clear here. Paul, I've set you aside for a purpose, and you're going to, you're the Jew of Jews, and you're going to go preach my story to the rest of the world. Mm-hmm. And then what do we see in Ephesians? And we're going to get there. But this great mystery to Paul how, that we have an equal shot at inheritance. Mm-hmm. And that's beautiful. It is beautiful. And I think that's probably an appropriate way to close is going back to that mystery and reading that closing benediction in chapter 3. Let's do it. Now to him who is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or think, according to the power that works in us, to him be glory in the church by Christ Jesus to all generations forever and ever. Amen. Amen. So let's do two things now. Okay, let's have it. Real quick, follow us on social Yes. Facebook. Larry does that because I don't have it. I'm in a war that will never end with Facebook trying to get my stuff reactivated so I can delete it again, but it's never going to happen. <laughs> Follow us on Instagram. Yes. I manage that one because I have it. <laughs> Our email address is thesharpeningpodcast at gmail.com. Please email us. Yes. Um, if you're listening on Spotify, I'm starting to put some like questions in there. Answer the questions. We'll see them, and maybe you know you can help shape where this goes. Yep. So that's that's the administrative stuff, and yeah. let's close in prayer. Let's do it. All right, dear Father, I just thank you so much for the friendships you give us, hmm. for the ability for us to sit in this garage and all this cool equipment that we get to use, and just to talk about your word, Lord. I thank you for the words you have given us and that you gave Paul and for his ability to get it written down and circulate it all over the world, and that it was preserved that we could read it and just learn and know your truths. Lord, I just pray that you give us Jesus-tinted lenses that we will not forget through all of these conversations and in our everyday life that we need to be focused on Jesus so that your story can continue to move through the world. Lord, we love you, and it's in your son's Jesus' name we pray. Amen.